Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. These are some poems from translations of some poems from a poet saint named Namdev who lived in Maharashtra I don't even know when maybe 15, 1600s he was uh, a realized being and uh, a poet and he used to sing these songs The name permeates densely 
the sky and the lower regions and the entire universe. Who can tell to what depths in the nether regions and to what height in the heavens it extends? The ignorant undergo the 84,000 types of births, not knowing the essence of things. Namdev says, the name is immortal. Forms are innumerable, but the name is all that. One more. The name itself is form. There is no distinction between name and form. God became manifest and assumed name and form. Hence, the name the Vedas established. Beware, there is no mantra beyond the name. Those who say otherwise are ignorant. Namdev says, the name is Keshav, God himself. This is known only to the loving devotees of the Lord. The all-pervading nature of the name the all-pervading nature of the name can only be understood when one recognizes one's own I, capital I. When one's own name is not recognized, it is impossible to get the all-pervading name. When one knows oneself, then one finds the name everywhere. To see the name as different from the named, like to see uh, the name of Krishna different from Krishna, creates illusion. Namdev says, ask the saints. The point here is that the name is more than enough as a practice. Repetition of the name is it's big time. It seems so simple and so Ordinary. You know, what's that going to do for me? Chanting this bullshit all day long makes no difference. Well, you got to do it and find out. That's the point. It's just like any medicine. If you don't take the medicine, it's not going to be able to cure the disease. You can't look at the medicine and know how it's going to feel when it works. You have to take it. So this is the medicine. And our name, my name is, is Ramana Maharshi used to talk a lot about this. And in fact, these poems come from the book. Do you know who Ramana Maharshi was? He was one of the greatest saints that ever lived. He died in 62, I think, or 52. Um, anyway, there's, you can read about him. He's incredible. But he was known to be, he was considered to be a jnani, someone who transcended through the, the path of wisdom. But he himself said there's no difference between jnana, the path of wisdom, and bhakti. He said, our true name is I the sense of being that each one of us has, just being, the sense that you're here, 
This comes before thinking. Before thinking, before the thoughts. It's deeper than the thoughts. When you think of, if you ask yourself, well, who's thinking that? The answer is, well, I am. Well, what is this I that's thinking? Well, who's thinking that? It's always behind whatever you're thinking, this sense of being, of being, of hereness, of being, with a capital B. That's our name. That's the true name, being. All the, all the devas, all the avatars, all these great beings, they know that, which is why they're called great beings. We don't, which is we're called, what did he say here? The ignorant. <laughs> well, at least we know who we are, right? Praise the Lord. No mystery. Oh, all right. No wonder I'm so screwed up. I'm one of the ignorant. How fantastic. All right. The next t-shirt is I'm one of the ignorant. Yeah. But no matter if we're ignorant or what, we still have this I. And these names that we chant are the, are the same as that I. He says the name is not different than God and the name of God is not different than God. Maharaj used to say, Krishna left this world, Ram left this world, but their names are still here. And through the name we follow, our, we can follow back into our, our true nature, which is Ram, which is Krishna. So it's a practice, you gotta do it. You gotta take the medicine. You don't take the medicine, you'll always have diarrhea. Well, we're talking about India, right? You take the medicine, you'll always be sick. And sickness is ignorance in this case. Ignorance of who we really are. And from that ignorance that all our unhappiness and suffering revolves, comes from that. There's, not a, there's no quick fixes. I'm sorry. There's just no quick fixes. At least from our point of view of days, weeks, months, and years, maybe in terms of lifetimes, yeah, I got fixed in only 477 lifetimes. It was quick. Uh, okay, doesn't feel like that from here. Because we're stuck in time. Just a minute. We'll get you a mic in a minute. No? You don't want a mic? See, I can't hear you. I'm deaf and poor and old. Would you please be compassionate? Use a goddamn microphone. I can't hear you. Oh, seriously. That's Jill. Wasn't she? Did you have a good time in yoga? Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah. I just wanted to know the name of the book. Hold on. (laughs) Yes, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah? What? (laughs) Eh? I was just wanting to know the name of the book. What book? There's no book. I made it all up. What are you, crazy? You were getting ready to say the name of the book that the poems were in, and then you were also going to say something about Ramana Maharshi. Yeah, I was, but you know. (laughs) I reserved the right not to be linear. Um... Namdev is the poet. You can look him up. N-A-M-D-E-V. And Ramana Maharshi, who was a great jnani, 
and a fully realized being used to sleep with this book right by his pillow of Namdev's poems. And Namdev was a devotee of Krishna. So how does it work that a fully realized being of a jnani who's, you know, I am the one, I am self, I am Shiva, how does that meet with a devotee of Krishna? Well, all through the name, the name is what brings everything together. The name, the form, the, this, what do they call it? The unstruck sound. It's like uh, that thing that St. John of the Cross wrote. He said, in the beginning, the father uttered one word. That word is his son. And he utters him forever in everlasting silence. He utters him forever in everlasting silence. And it is in silence that the heart must hear. Silence means the space beyond thought. Not just quiet, but when thoughts cease or when they no longer grab us, then we are in silence. And in silence we hear the name, the true name, which St. John of the Cross calls the Son. That's the connection between the Father and us, is the Son, the name. Ramdev wrote another poem. He said, uh, "You know, I've I've studied all the Vedas. I understand those. I've been with the yogis. I, I know what they're doing. I've been with these guys. I thought that I studied this. I said that I, I was saved by saved from all this. He's he saved from all this by the grace of the of the saints. He said, the secret is the love. The secret is the love. Anything that we do without love is dry." It's dry. That's our daily life, running around like crazy, not paying attention. Paying attention is simply to turn the lights on. <laughs> paying attention is simply to become more and more aware of what's behind all the, the changes, all the stuff, all the different forms, all the different things that go on in a day, all the places our heads go to. There's something behind that. That is the name. So through the repetition of these names, gradually but inevitably, we uh, become more aware of this stuff. It's not one button that you push and then, oh, everything's okay for the rest of your life. No, you still have to go through your stuff. But the more that we practice, the more we get into the real juice of it, the more we can bring some real... Uh, sincerity to our practice not just okay uh, okay that's it you know now I go watch uh, reruns of the Sopranos the more we can bring some sincerity and, and, and juice to our practice the more we experience what this is all about you got to do it somehow you got to do it you don't do it nothing happens that's the way it goes but, you know, if we're interested in this stuff at all, it's because something's already happened for us. Whatever it is, we may not know what it is that turned us to getting to this, interested in this stuff. It may not be something we did this life. 
What's happening now is the unfolding and the ripening of karmas that we've already created, maybe before in another life. And what we're creating now, the seeds we plant now, will we don't know when they're going to grow, but we plant them. That's why I told you the other day what Ramakrishna said, and I'm going to repeat it again. He said that every repetition of one of these names is a seed that is planted. It's a seed. And he said every repetition must have an effect. That's the way it works. The effect may not be right now in this instant, we may, or even if it is, we may not be able to, we may not notice it. But every repetition of these names is a seed. And that seed will get, gets caught by the wind, he says. And it gets lodged up on the roof of an old house between the tiles of the roof. And as time and seasons pass, these tiles break down back into mud. And then those seeds can take root. They, the roots can start to grow. So the seeds we're planting now may not look like that anything's happening, but at some point in our life, causes and conditions will be more suitable for us to experience a deeper reality of what's going on. Maybe right now we're just too stuck in our heads, we're too busy, but we can still plant these seeds. So then the roots grow and they destroy the tiles on the roof and they wind up destroying the whole roof of the house and they keep growing and then they destroy the whole house. That house, he says, is our conventional sense of self, who we think we are. Who you think you are, who you think you are, who you think you are. That's what's broken down. And when that sense of yourself, small s self, me, is broken down, what's left is I, the name, space, presence, being, love. Our, that's who we are in there. It's covered up by that house. When the house is blown up, we're finally released from that prison of those walls of that house. We don't think it's a prison. You know, we're not, it's not so bad. We got nice cars to drive. We come for retreats on the weekend. Doesn't seem like a prison. But one Lama once said, what most people call bliss is just a little bit less suffering. And that's really the case. We think it's not that bad because we so far gone from reality. You know, Buddha was just too cool, you know, too cool. There's a sermon he gave called the Fire Sermon. And he said, you know, we, we think it's not so bad, it's not so bad. But he said, no, no, you're just not seeing it correctly because you're so dull. He said, the eye is literally burning with sight. The ears are burning with sound. The tongue burns with taste. We don't experience it as that. But I've had experiences where I've been in a quieter, subtle place, and then I've, the way I experienced sense input was very different than it was you know, the rest of the day. 
So the quieter you get, you begin to recognize that what we, we even saw as pleasure, you know, uh, is really not pleasure at all. But it's actually some a, a, a painful experience. When you get quiet enough, you can see these things inside yourself. It's, they're not bad. You're not sinning. But we keep creating more, more, uh, more stuff. We want more, more fire, more sound, more sight, more fire, more taste, more fire, more touch, more fire. So it's, it's another way of seeing it. And unfortunately for us, it's the real way. So, and once we do experience different things, it, it, there's a good feeling that comes from it too. You know, it's not all. It's we recognize the suffering because we're no longer suffering the same way. We're released from it. We are in a prison of thought. Every thought is is a prison, and you can't think yourself out of a prison that's made of thought. We don't experience it as a prison because we're in it. It's natural to us, we think. But through practice and through the longing to find some real love, real peace, we start to, re, to see our lives and our experience a little differently. <clears throat> For instance, the name is always going on within us. Because who are we? Our true nature is being, and being is the name. So these, this guy says, so the name is always going on. That space within us is always here. But we are not tuned into it. All we have to do is tune into it. So how do you do that? You start singing. You let go of your thoughts. You come back. You let go of your thoughts. You come back. That's tuning. Simple. Not difficult. Not difficult to do, but you got to keep doing until you find the channel. Now you have digital tunings. You push a button. In the old days, an A&M, like. Yeah, oh, there it is. We're A&M, AM, AM radio. So, all right. Ramana Maharshi was an uh, incredible being, you know. He, he was 16, I think, uh, going to school and living in his uncle's house because his father had died and his mother and his brother and he were living with an uncle. And One day he didn't feel so good, so he didn't go to school. And uh, he was sitting alone in the living room and he had a feeling that he was going to die. So he said, oh, well, let's see what this is. And he lay down on the floor, and he watched his consciousness leave the body. And he watched, he made himself stiff like this, and watched consciousness leave the body. And he was dead, not breathing, but he was still here. And after some time, he came back into the, the body, came back, and 
School was a little bit weird after that. <laughs> so after some time, he just took off. He didn't know where he was going. He wound up at the foot of this mountain called Arunachala, Arunachal, and which is considered to be a form of Shiva. This mountain is worshipped for, for millenniums as a living lingam, Shiva lingam. And he spent the rest of his life just sitting around uh, that mountain, fully realized, fully realized. He said from that moment that he lay down in his uncle's living room until the last breath he took, his consciousness didn't change at all. He was fully realized in one second like that. He never studied. He didn't do any practice. But his karmas were so ready to be ripened. They were just, boom, he bloomed. Just like that. Now, wouldn't that be nice? Where is that button to push? So, you never know, right? I mean, who knows? You might go home, turn on the TV. <laughs> Let me know, okay? I'll just come and worship you, and I'll get a hit. All right, any questions or anything? Anyone? Yes, wait for the mic, okay? Apparently, Ramana Maharishi once said that every experience that this body is going to undergo in this lifetime has been decided mm -hmm. at the time of birth. Yeah. Number one, is it true? And number two, do you believe it? Number one, how the hell would I know? Number two, how the hell would I know? But if he said it, I think it's true. But that doesn't mean, see, we, the script may be written, but we haven't read the script, you know. And the script may be fluid. It may, we may think it's going to be this way, but it'll be another way. So, and it may include transcending the script. We don't know. The point is, these are the, not, not the kind of things we need to think about here. The reason a saint would say that is to release us from the tyranny of our thoughts and give us some, some kind of understanding about how our lives might be lived. Um, he also said, he also said that uh, Everything that, that's going, that wasn't the complete quote, by the way. He said, everything that's going to happen has been, is ordained when you're born. The only moment that you have free will is in this moment. What do you do with this moment? Because we don't experience, we don't see our lives as fully written. We, we think we make choices all day. So that's where our freedom lies in this moment, the choices we make right now. What choices do we make now? There may be choices about what we're going to do in the future, but still the choice we're making is now. And now is where we have an opportunity to overcome our conditioned responses to things, our habitually closed down, fear-driven, self-centered 
self-preservation, small s self-preservation responses to things, protective things. We have now, right now, we have an opportunity to overcome that or to at least face it and look at it and see it and change the way we go through our day. Whether it's written or not written doesn't make any difference to me. I still have to go through the day as if I'm making it up because that's where I live. Right? Um, he said a lot of things. Uh, his mother came, his mother finally found him, actually, after many years. And she came to the mountain. He was living in a little cave up in the hill with a couple of people, and she came and she wanted to take him home. And he just said, he basically said, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> he said, no matter what you do, if it's not destined to happen, it won't happen. The best response is to remain silent or in silence, beyond thought, completely open. So our best response to anything is to try to calm ourselves down and see it clearly and see what's going on under the surface, see what our own motivations really are see what we're trying to get out of a situation, try to be, to see things clearly. This moment, this is what we have. Who is it that said, uh, there are two, there are two moments that nothing can be done, the past and the future. The, the third moment is now. This is where everything happens. This is where we make our choices. And this is where we get into the nitty-gritty about why we make the choices we make, right? Why does a person keep doing things that are hurtful to them, self and others? Why, why would somebody do that? Well, there's reasons. Nothing comes out of nothing. There's reasons. This person is responding to the situations in his own life that are forcing him or her to continue those self-abusive behaviors, those hurtful behaviors. But it's all happening now. So if you know that that's what's going on in your life, now you can do things which you know or you're told or you might believe will allow you to change those behaviors. Maybe not immediately. Because tomorrow you can't do that. Yesterday you can't do that. Now you can do that. And all these practices that we do, they're, they're designed to give us ourselves back and free us from all these um, knee-jerk reactions, obsessive, compulsive behaviors that go on all the time. These are the practices we do to save ourselves from that. It's a tricky question whether, you know, whether everything is written when you're born. Um, yeah, it's, tricky. it's a difficult thing to, to, to think about from our perspective because we don't really see that much. We're pretty much involved in our own daily life, immersed in it. But when a saint that's really a, 
a good saint says something like that, it makes you think. So what does it mean? Let's just say, okay, everything's written, right? There's no slippage in the system. Everything that's going to happen is already written down. How does that change how you go through your day? Does it? We don't know what's written. So we still have the illusion of free will. And so people ask me all the time, you know, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I do that? I say, if you think you have a choice to make, make it. You have to live, we have to live where we are. We can't, it's not an up level, an intellectual game. Oh, it's all written. I think I'll just sit at home. You can't. Try it. Yeah, I think I won't suffer anymore. Try it. It doesn't matter what's written or not written. We're still, our experience is what we have to deal with, which is right now and who we are. So. I like, I'm going to surrender fully to God. What happened? I thought I, I said I'm going to surrender. You can't. I'm going to be quiet. Forget about it. You can, we have all these ideas of what we think we can do, we can't do, we can't do anything. We are, we're just like, the wave is pushing us, you know. I think I'm not going to surf today. Well, too bad, you're already in the water. You, know? you can either surf or you can get crushed by the wave. One or the other. So we have to learn how to surf. Or at least ride the wave a little bit. It's more fun. Ramana Maharshi used to teach a particular practice called, which he was called, Who Am I? Where the meditation was, you would ask yourself, you would say, okay, here I am. I'm thinking, okay, and you notice the thought, so you say, well, who's thinking that thought, right? And you would answer, well, I am. Okay, who am I? What is this I? And there's no answer for that. There's not an answer in words. Any answer you give yourself in words, you would then say, well, who's, saying, who's thinking that? So the practice keeps bringing you, extracting you from your thoughts, just like when we chant. We extract ourselves from our thoughts and come back to the chant again and again and again. This is very similar, but it's a little bit different too. Because you have to keep letting go of the thought. You have to keep saying, well, who's thinking that? I am, okay, who am I? Well, I'm, yeah, okay, who's thinking that? Well, I am, okay, who am I? Well, I'm, oh, well, who's thinking that? So it keeps m moving you back in, moving you back into the place where there's no thought. And then the quieter you become and the more subtle your mind gets, you see these things arising more easily and more deeply. And you then it, you keep on moving further in. Well, who, who's experiencing that pain? Well, I am. Well, okay, who am I? 
Who am I? What is this I? It's just another way of doing it. So he used to encourage this among his... Well, see, he knew who his disciples were, and he knew what practices they needed to free themselves. And so he gave them this practice. But at the same time, there was a full-blown devotional scene going on there. The Vedas were chanted. The, the people did puja, did worship him with RT every day. He allowed all that to happen too. And he would say to some people, oh, you can't do that, who am I thing? That's okay, just repeat my name. And a lot of people would repeat, Ramana, 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 Ramana. So what works for one person may not work for another person. But you don't know until you get your feet wet. You got to try. There's a whole lot of practices to try. What we do here is more or less one of them, or two or three of them. But you do what try. You find something that works for you, or that you're interested in trying, and do it and see how it feels. It may feel good for a minute or two, and then you hit the nitty gritty. Now, what are you going to do at that point? Change your practice. You're still yourself, no matter what practice you're doing. So sometimes it's good to hang in with something and see, because when you start to do a practice, all the shit rises to the top, and you see all your stuff. So changing a practice very quickly is not useful necessarily. Stay with it for a while, and then if it's still, you don't feel it's for you, try another one. But if the same thing happens, you begin to see, well, maybe it's not the practice. Maybe it's just me. And then you hang in with something. Mm -hmm.